Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Tyler's out there. Do you see, like, everybody's level rise in a way? Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, I mean, he's, he's the leader of this franchise. You know, we're about to make him, um, like, I'm sure the highest paid player in this franchise history. And, and so he understands what comes with that. And then the guys know what he can be at his best. And, and anytime um, we can get the whole band out there, um, things pick up. I'm praying before training camp. Tyler's contract being such a story that's kind of been hovering, what will it mean to eventually get done? How much are you personally looking forward to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I just try to control what I can control. But I, I think... Um, Steve, myself, Michael, we all understand what he can be and, and where we want to take this thing with him as our leader. And so I think it'll be great energy for this entire organization when, when that's wrapped up. Cliff Kingsbury doing a great job of applying the brakes to his mouth as he was saying, we're about to make him the highest paid contract. Player in franchise history. Yeah, Player in franchise that's history. Good. That sounds good. Woo. <laughs> Crisis averted. We're about to make him. And see, they're both represented by the same guy. That's what makes it so fascinating. Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray have the same age in Eric Burkhart. So, Cliff, I assume he is Switzerland in these negotiations, but he also knows what's going on. Because he's praying they get this done by the time camp starts. I suspect that from time to time he asks his agent for any updates about the effort to get a contract for Cliff Kingsbury's starting quarterback so they don't have to worry about a holdout. They don't have to worry about a hold-in. That's the other thing you got to worry about. A T.J. Watt situation where he shows up, he's not fined, but he's not practicing, so he's not getting ready for the season. So uh, he said a lot there, and the bottom line is he's in a position to know what's going on. It sounds like they're working toward getting something done. And I also think that and this is more of a guess than anything, but I think it flows from the fact that it was pretty clear that if somebody wanted to try to make a play for Kyler Murray, he was out there. He was available. Not that the Cardinals were necessarily going to do it, but at least you can try. At least you can try to pry him free, and nobody tried. I think they got 
I think they got the the message that there won't be a land rush of teams for Kyler Murray. There are teams, as you've said, that would want nothing to do with him just because of his height. He's got to take what he can get from the team that currently is willing to extend him. The question is coming up with a number that works for both sides. Yeah, that's right. It's got to make sense. Uh, but, but you know, as we've talked about, it, he's got a lot of power and, and, and uh, say in this situation because they've built the team around him and his skill set. And I think, again, like what you're saying – the connection with Cliff Kingsbury, to me, is why I guess I don't worry about this situation a whole lot because, yeah, oh, right, Cliff's going to be able to, oh, wait, okay, agent saying this, my agent, who's also Kyler Murray, oh, wait, team saying this. I think he's going to be able to bridge the gap a little bit and, you know, kind of nudge things down the road a little bit to where that's where, you know, I have faith that it gets done. And, and, and to what Cliff was saying there, too, like, you know, he prays before camp. That's the other reason I think he's going to nudge us down. He doesn't want to be starting training camp having to deal with this. This is a big year. You know, it, it, it is. They, they definitely – people expect more from the Cardinals this year. People expect more at the end of the year. Let's not have a meltdown. And so to start the year off by, wait, our quarterback's not here or he's holding in like you're saying, and we have to answer these questions all the time, and we play in arguably the best division in football – like, that's just not a recipe for success. So, of course, he wants that done. But I do think this is one where it gets done, you know, the, the, the last minute, last few days before training camp, we get the news of Kyler Murray's new contract. And we hear this all the time. It's a deadline-driven business. And if the deadline is start a training camp, that's the practical deadline. Is he going to show up or not show up? That's when they get it done. That's when both sides move to their bottom line position. That's why we say deadlines spur action because this applies in any type of negotiation. If one side moves toward its best position and the other side knows there's still time, that's just more time for the other side to squeeze that the other side off of its best position. That's why you need to know where is that moment where we must make a decision and do both sides agree? Remember the Russell Wilson three years ago? Yeah. When he said to the Seahawks, I want this deal done by April 1. And both sides regarded that as the deadline and they got the deal done. They believed him when he said it. And and who knows what would have happened if they hadn't done the deal by April 1. But that's what he told them. And they believed it and they heeded it and they acted on it. So you can create an artificial deadline if both sides agree. This is a real deadline. Start a training camp. But... But, yeah, if they don't get a deal done, then the question is, will he hold out or will he hold in? We've seen the hold in, and then maybe the real deadline is the start of the season. But the problem is you want your quarterback yeah. involved have in the real rep, T.J. Watt, but play. he's not the right. quarterback. Right, exactly, exactly. It's, it's easier to pull that off if you're not the quarterback. You know, again, T.J. Watt doesn't need to practice. He can go over on the side and do drills and, you know, probably do some one-on-one -on -one pass rush stuff, and that's good. Okay, he eliminates, you know, the other 20 guys in the field that might hurt him or whatever. So that's easy. Quarterback, you can't do that. You can't do that, let alone you, you, you need to play a little bit in the preseason and get used to, you know, the speed of the game that way. But the reps during training camp are really important. And, and to your point, yes, that's where you want him. That's where you build, you know, chemistry. That's where you get better with Marquise Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore going into the second year. And, you know, Zach Ertz, who's still new to the team and being a part of it. So that, that's, that to me is the success. I'm glad he's there. That's cool to see. 
I think it's the right thing for sure for him, the team, everything there. I don't think there's tremendous risk for as far as him getting hurt, putting himself in danger's way in a mandatory mini camp. And uh, we'll see where it goes. But I think this is one where I, I feel like it'll, it'll get done. By the way, one surprise for the Cardinals, veteran yeah. center Rodney Hudson, who turns 33 next month. Yeah, what was that? Present. At the mandatory minicamp, his absence not excused. Shocked by that. Cliff Kingsbury said that they're working through some things. We always go straight to the contract. He's, I can't remember exactly what he's due to make this year, maybe $10 million and some change. He was cut by the Raiders 2021, signed fairly quickly with the Cardinals, but he wasn't there. We'll see if they can get that worked out. So that was the surprise for the Cardinals. And there have been a few like, oh, we didn't, we didn't see that coming. That was one that, that we hadn't heard there was any consternation about Rodney Hudson and his situation with the Cardinals. We had been trying to solve the mystery that is Lamar Jackson. He did show up for mandatory minicamp. He's there in Baltimore. Here is head coach John Harbaugh from yesterday talking about his quarterback participating in the mandatory camp. How did uh, Lamar look out there for his first practice? He looked good. He looked good. It was his first practice, and uh, he looked good, and he was into it. He's physically in very good shape. Uh, I thought his arm looked really good. You can see he's been throwing a lot, and you see he's in great condition, physical condition. So it's great to have him out there. He kind of boosted everybody's spirits a little bit too. And he's a competitor. He's you know he's mad about some passes here and there, and the DBs were happy about some passes here and there. So, but it was good to see, and he threw some great balls. So it was fun. That's very good. That's very encouraging. It boosted everyone's spirit for him to be there. It's hard not to consider those words through the prism of just think of what it would have done if he'd have been there for all the OTAs. If we're talking about building the Ravens for 2022. Yeah. Putting the team in the best position to thrive. If if having him around really improves the spirit and the camaraderie, having the team leader there helps. That's another tangible reason to have been there. I mean, we still don't know why he wasn't there. And so I, I, I'm, not, I'm not picking on the guy. He made the decision not to go. I don't know why he didn't go. You can't say, well, I'm not going to go until they give me a contract because they're ready to. It becomes very circular very quickly when we're trying to figure out why he wasn't there. I'm not going until they pay me. They're trying to pay you. You haven't negotiated with them. That's on you. It's It's... It's good, but it's good that he's there. Yeah. It's good that the Ravens are taking full advantage of his presence. And, you know, we'll, at some point, I think once training camp starts and he presumably shows up, the contract stuff just is a non-issue until after the season because we know that nothing is going to happen between now and then. Yeah, I, I mean, yes. Uh, you know, again, hey, if he was there, yeah, I, I bet you the DBs wouldn't have been as happy. You know, as far as after practice that day, I bet you he would have been a little sharper. I know we got time to work on it and all that, but again, you know, they'd be further down the road. You might know some of the new nuances that Greg Roman's put into the offense and be more comfortable there. And then you feel better, you know, going into training camp about where your quarterback is and where the offense is. You know, again, not that they can't make up that ground, but can you be further along if Lamar was there at OTAs? Yes. And, again, it's weird. You're right. To, to, I still hear people on TV going, he shouldn't show up until they pay him. And I want to go, wait, are you not paying attention to the NFL? What is going on here? Why do you keep telling me he shouldn't show up? They're trying to pay him. Stop telling me that stupid point. I, I, I see people say it, like, three times a week. And I go, I can't listen to you anymore. I'm not sure if you're even aware of what's going on in the NFL. Like, stop. That's ridiculous. They're trying to pay him big-time money, top of the market. And then, you know, to your point and what you talked about with the energy, that is real, period. 
It doesn't matter if it's Lamar Jackson or anybody. I mean, Kyler Murray's quiet. That's still going to add to the energy of the team. Marquise Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, they're going to want to be on their game and show that they're playing good so the quarterback likes them. Look how I've grown. Look what I'm doing out here. It rises the level of everybody, let alone if you have a guy like Lamar who has more personality and a little more pizzazz than a Kyler Murray to where the way he talks in the locker room and, you know, I think the way he talks and shoots, you know, the, the, the shoots the shit, sorry for lack of a better way, to, to talk with guys when they're stretching before, that all adds to the energy of the practice. And then probably talk some crap to the DBs. Hey, we're going to tear you up today. And now the DBs are ready to go and play at a different level. That's, that's the value of the franchise quarterback. Well, it does. It raises everybody. It raises everybody's spirits, and it gets everybody on their game because they don't want to disappoint, and they know, whoa, our lead dog's out here, and he's going to try to tear us up, so we, let's try to tear him up too. And that's where the, the franchise quarterback is extremely handy for a football team. Last week, we threw out three potential explanations for why Lamar Jackson is doing what he's doing, what he wants, etc. I have reason to believe that these – are accurate, that this really does properly explain where things are from the perspective of the team, which doesn't know, like we don't know what the hell's going on. One, he doesn't want to be there. Two, he doesn't know what he wants. Three, and this is the one that I think is the answer, he wants a a non-negotiable offer. In other words, an offer that doesn't require negotiation. They show up and they say, here it is. Here's Here's Deshaun Watson plus. Here's five years, $240 million fully guaranteed signing. And again, Steve Bishotti was the one who publicly lamented the Deshaun Watson contract, how it changes everything. They don't want to give him a five-year fully guaranteed contract, not Lamar Jackson, not with the physicality he plays with. Yeah. Because even if you just guaranteed it for injury, there's a sweet spot there where you're healthy – but when you're healthy, you're not what you used to be because of all the injuries. You've you've worn down, and we're still going to have to pay you yeah. for the next five years. Exactly. That's what they're trying to avoid. I, I just – I have a feeling that this is going to end – I don't know this. I just have a feeling this is going to end with a trade. I really do. Unless he hires an agent, I think it's going to end with a trade. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> just a feeling. Yeah. I, I, mm, I don't have that feeling. I don't. It is weird. I, I again, it, it is weird. I, I don't know what to make of it. The more and more time goes by, I, I kind of tend to, to think like you do that he just wants one where, hey, you're right. Here's a contract. You don't need an agent to do this. It's so perfect and great that you know you as long as you know math. Here you go. Boom. Sign it. All right. Cool. Maybe that is what it is. It is again. It's very trem- simple logic. They say they love me. Yeah. I'm an MVP. I know what I can do. They know what I can do. Why should we have to negotiate? Why do I need an agent to negotiate this? There should be no reason to negotiate it. If they truly feel about me the way that they do, they just write the check. I know. And, and there's it, some logic to that. There's I hear you. To that. There is. There, there is. But, but I think the point that, you're, that, that you've made, and I think the point here is that, yes, but that doesn't mean we just guarantee it and give you everything. There's still risk on our side that we got to protect ourselves with a little. 
And I think that's where that yeah. falls in line to your conversation of the way he plays, of course, the age he's getting to, and then, yes, the dumbest contract in the history of football with Jimmy Haslam and company have definitely confused that situation, I'm sure, in LeBron, Lamar Jackson's uh, brain a little bit. And see, that's the problem because from his perspective, why shouldn't I get Deshaun Watson's deal? I don't. I have go to the playoffs. Going I got twenty six lawsuits. Right. Yeah. Pending against me, you don't have to worry about that stuff. For me, I've never done anything that could cause this organization any type of of problem. And and the 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 argument that another billion dollar business in our same industry is crazy that doesn't fly. That just doesn't fly. You can try it, but it's not going to fly because they did it. They are in your industry. They have set the bar. And even if you disagree with that bar, they've set that bar. That's where the bar is. You may not like it, but that, and that, that always happens. Pick your industry. Somebody does something like, oh, everybody's like, oh, they did a crazy deal. Well, you know what? The next thing you know, there's another deal just like it and another deal even better and another deal even ah, better. That's like, how it works. Yeah, that's it's how like, it works. like announcing, like Tony Romo deal, like you mean it's, stuff it's like that? That's how it works. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the Tony Romo. The CBS was crazy. CBS is crazy and everybody else is doing deals exactly. better than what Tony the, Romo got. <laughs> exactly. They're still calling CBS crazy, but they're, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yes. CBS started it. Well, a hell of a lot of other people followed. Yeah, yeah 100%. At a certain point, it's just reality. Yes. All right. Yeah. Here's the reality. We got to take a break. We need to keep getting through the Chris Sims top 40 quarterback countdown because uh, we don't have much time left and we got several more to go. We'll do two more of them, six and five, when PFC Live continues right after this. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I'm damn happy to be standing up here with you guys celebrating this. Guzzling straight from the bottle of the 1942. There's the Chris Sims official autobiography. Watch me smoke. <laughs> Rams running back Eric Dickerson. Watch my smoke. Matthew Stafford. Smoke him if you got him. He's number six. Number six. Last year he was number eight. I remember he was number three the first year we did this. Right, Four right. years ago. Yep. He was number three. So yeah. he was down. Nothing like ditching the Lions for the Rams to get yourself bumped up a little bit on the Chris Sims top 40 quarterback countdown. Well, the perfect example of, again, you know, you have some support around you and a team around you, and you get to see what the guy has to offer. And, you know, it wasn't a perfect year for Matthew Stafford, but it was damn good. And I think what we learned from Matthew Stafford, you know, is that this guy's always been a Super Bowl quarterback. He finally just got a team that was Super Bowl caliber, and he got to show us there. Incredible arm. Can do it all. I mean, it's extremely strong. He's got crazy releases as far as like Mahomes, Allen, sidearm. He's probably right in the category of doing that stuff. He can go through the defense. He's a phenomenal at looking defenders off to find the bigger play. That's where he's really special and aggressive. 
He will look a guy off. I'm going to throw to this guy five yards, five yards, five yards. Get people to converge and then throw a 20-yard in-cut behind him as good as anybody in football. Not afraid to throw the ball into tight windows. And you could see there the amount of releases, pinpoint accuracy on high degree of difficulty throws. I think that's the other thing that you come away with when you watch the guy. You go, man, I know he can throw it. But he makes a lot of pinpoint throws that you go, whoa, that was a tough play or a tough throw, and still does it. This play, we talked about this. No look. Looking at the tight end underneath on a big second and seven to get, look, the 20-yard completion. Look at that. No look. There is so much of that. You know, as compared to Russell Wilson that we talked to about yesterday, who was reluctant to throw the ball in the middle of the field. You go to this guy, and you go, man, he lives in the middle of the field and makes a lot of tight window throws that way. He's got touch. He's got power in his arm. He's mentally tough. We learn that. And he's physically tough. He will stand in the pocket and take shots, and he's a little bit better of a leader than I think we ever gave him credit for in Detroit. And I think Matthew Stafford, it was a pretty damn good year, you know, for his first year and learning the new system and everything he did there. But, yes, number six quarterback in football for my money, Mike. He really has been underrated because he hasn't been in a position where he could be properly appreciated. Right. He, he, he did pretty damn well in Detroit without a great supporting cast. Now, at one point, they had both Calvin Johnson and Dominican Sue, but there's just but still, been so much dysfunction exactly. baked into that organization. And the, the biggest flaw with Stafford, it's not about anything on the field. I, I worry about the elbow that needed the anti-inflammatory sure. shot and yep. is he going to be ready to throw? And we see all those arm angles. It's a lot of stress on that elbow. So the elbow's got to be good. I've had this criticism for a long time. He is a reluctant franchise quarterback. He doesn't want the leadership. He doesn't. I hear you. He he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't like want to go. Sergeant. He doesn't General. want to take over the right, room. Right. He doesn't want to be in your face. Yeah. He doesn't want to be the sheriff. And you know, there's some appeal to that. I when I was practicing law in a firm and became a partner and they they want you to start managing so you got to go tell other people what they're doing wrong and how they need to fix it it's like my look people got to figure out on their own they don't need somebody in their face telling them what they're doing wrong and what they need to do better they either figure it out or they don't either step up or step off and i feel like that's been stafford's view that's what he's comfortable doing as a personality right. he's not going to go yell at you and f-bomb you on the sideline and rant and rave and throw the the tablet into the trash can right. like tom brady and 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 i think that's one of the reasons why he was in detroit for as long as he was because peyton manning and tom brady never would have tolerated they yeah, would he try kept to just change trying things to suck it and up if they don't and change it's and... get me the hell out of yeah, here yeah you're right he kind of just tried to i'll suck it up i'll be the good soldier and you know, hope it turns around. I don't disagree with anything you said there. I don't. I think that's why it's a perfect marriage from McVeigh. All right? I think that's what McVeigh can be that guy a little bit. And, you know, to Stafford, to your point there, I don't. I think Stafford's more of a guy that, yes, doesn't want to yell at the players or the linemen. He wants to say it to the coach and then have the coach do it. He wants to yell at the coach. The one thing I learned from McVay a little bit this year and spending that day with him before the Super Bowl and all that was that there's a little more to Matt Stafford in the leadership category maybe than we see and that he really is 
all over a lot of the details and really comes off the field. And McVay, I think, has been was amazed with, whoa, I mean, he saw everything and really, like, he, he's not flustered here or anything there and then can convey it to me the right way, too. Uh, and then the phrase he used was, Stafford has a little bit more shit in his neck than people realize, which is, yeah, he's got a little bit more to say and a little bit more of an edge than people that realize there. Like and I think we're seeing that. I know, it's a, the we- it's a weird yeah. phrase that gets thrown around football uh, <laughs> that I don't know if I totally understand there, yeah. but it is a, it's a pretty uh, that common would suggest, phrase. That would suggest some sort of an issue with the digestive system, I think. Um, <laughs> But slightly, <laughs> but acid reflux. But <laughs> there, there are different ways. There are different ways of yes. leading, yeah. right? And we, 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 I think sometimes offer too much praise to the guy who does get in the face yeah. of the teammate right. and demands. You know, I mean, nobody likes that guy deep down. They, they may like what the guy can do for him, but. Do you really like the guy that's constantly on your case uh, and constantly pushing you to do more when you're doing everything you can? So, you know, the reality also may be the Rams have more guys who are self-starters. I don't need a kick in the ass. Exactly right. I think that's right. You got guys that are, hey, I I don't need to do that. Jalen Ramsey's talking in the locker room. Everybody's getting going. He's getting everybody going, right? You know, there's Odell. He's adding energy, you know, added energy to it. There's Aaron Donald. You know, he's talking a little crap over here to the defense and the D-line, getting them going. So I, I think that's where he fits perfectly with that. He's kind of like he, Eli Manning. He, kind of like Eli Manning. He's perfect for a team of stars in L.A. Yeah. where he's not like, I got to be the biggest star here in the room. And that I, to your point there, you're right. That's kind of the, the Giants New York quarterback. Uh, hey, my dad, Eli, they didn't need to be the coolest guy in the world to, to, to play quarterback and do that. So it was a good year. I'm glad for Matthew Stafford that people realize what he is. He's still got a little too much gunslinger in him to hit on the negatives a little bit. We know he threw some dumb interceptions this year, as we saw. And then I think a little bit of this, Mike, we've talked about this, a product of this to a degree, I think is the fact that he has been on the Lions. And he was like, if I don't make plays or do crazy crap, we can't win or be competitive. So I need to do that. And he didn't have to do that with the Rams, and he forced the ball too many times, like this especially. You know, there's a deep ball called. Stafford is a little scary in that, well, the coach called the deep ball. i got to throw the deep ball. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw it. There's 10 guys there. So what? We've got the deep ball. I'm going to throw it. And that's where he's got to get that out of his system a little bit. He did in the playoffs and showed us he could play very clean football that way. But this was one of the issues that he certainly went through throughout his whole career and during the season too. And uh, look, and that was his first year in that system. If yes, he's healthy, right. they'll be even better offensively this year. All right, let's move on to number five. Do my eyes yes, they do. deceive me? Yes, no, they don't. They don't. They don't. No. Number five, there he is, standing as far away from you as he possibly can <laughs> and still be in the frame. Aaron Rodgers, number five. Holy crap. There it goes. Yeah. Hey, good luck. Good luck uh, getting an exclusive with Aaron Rodgers on the golf course this year. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, hey, again, that's, that's what stinks about this. It is Aaron Rodgers. You know I love him. I love him. I mean, he's my favorite quarterback to watch ever. He is. And I think in his prime, I'm still going to tell you, in his prime, best playing quarterback at their highest level, I've never seen anybody better than Aaron Rodgers. But that doesn't mean he's the best right now. He definitely is not. I'm not going to say he's better than the four that are left 
and in no particular order with Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, and Josh Allen. No, I think they're a notch above Aaron Rodgers at this point of their career. The biggest thing is this, Mike. I know Rodgers is great decision maker, going to take care of the football. There's no doubt about that. His arm is still as gifted as anybody in the game. I mean, he can flick the ball and put deep balls on the money just about as good as anybody in the sport. There's no question that way. Is his ability to make plays outside the pocket and magic that way the same? No. And it's not that nearly the same as the top four guys that we gotta, we'll talk about tomorrow who can make things happen all the time. But when it, the pocket's clean and people are open, Rodgers will hit you, and he can still make some amazing plays. And, of course, we know he can bounce around the, the pocket as you see here, on the run, flick of the wrist, perfect throw there. I mean, again, he's still one of the gifted, most gifted throwers and passers even at this age uh, in the history of football. But again, the guys that are in front of him are damn good. And here you see, I mean, still athletic to get outside the pocket and do it. He's not going to run for 15 and 20-yard gains like he used to or run around as much. Will stand there in the pocket and get hit. For his age, that is impressive. But... The, the, this my 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 issue with Rodgers, and again we're talking about great guys here, and this is here we go, is it's not aggressive enough, especially in big games. It's not. I mean, again, there you see there, check down protections good. The guy's wide open, thirty yard gain down the middle. You know what happened? Next play, fumble, and they turned the ball over. Well, they would have bought the ball thirty yards up if he threw it there. Again, here protection's going to be good. My, my buddy, both guys wide open in the middle of the field. You're just going to have to trust me here. But never looks at them. Check down. You know, to look to that. Well, why? There's about seven or eight plays in this game alone that are like this. There's Devontae Adams, this coverage. I don't know why. This time he decides to take a chance against the wrong coverage and almost throws a pick six there. But that, to me, is the reason I'm not going to put him up there with Mahomes and Herbert and Burrow and Josh Allen. In, in big game football, they're not going to go down like Aaron Rodgers. They're not. They're going to force the issue. Oh, wait, we're stepping on your neck. I'm going to step on it all the way. The game's going to be over. All right. Oh, I need to make a play here. Okay, I'm going to get on the pocket and make a play. Oh, wait, the pocket's bearing down on me. It doesn't matter. I'm still going to throw the ball 15 yards down in the middle of the open guy. I'm not going to just go, oh, let me get it out. And Oh, I didn't get hit. I, I didn't get a strip sack. Well, it was not my fault. I executed that way. And to me, that is what makes him five. His His... Uh, I, what do I want to say? Conservative nature in big game and just not letting it go compared to the other guys is not on their level. Why do you think he's that way? I know. Let's psychoanalyze. Right, Why right. do you think he's that way? I because of the over. He he knows he's the man. He's only won one Super Bowl. It probably drives him crazy in the fact that wait, I've won one Super Bowl and I'm better than Tom Brady in every category right? Except for maybe leadership or things like that. And I think he's very self-conscious, insecure of that, and doesn't want to be the reason that they don't get back to another Super Bowl or that. So therefore, he plays a style in some of those games. Again, it'll work against the middle class or the poor of the NFL. But what we're seeing is against the really good defenses in playoff football, you can't go back and play the game, Mike, we talked about so much during the year. Can you really play and go to the Super Bowl of, I'm just going to execute and we're not going to mess up the game? That's not 2022. you got to go win the game, in this, and that's what we're seeing from quarterbacks and teams in the playoffs. And to me, he's playing a style of football in those games of, I'm not going to lose it. And that's just not going to fly in playoff football against good quality teams.
And I think with with each passing year, as he gets older, there's more pressure. And who knows how long how long he's going to be able to move like he does? He's going to be 39 in December. Yep. How how long until Father Time begins to close ground on him? Because he's not like Tom Brady, who's making his decisions pre-snap, getting rid of the football, not having to move around. Yeah. Not having to take the big hits on a regular basis. At some point, Rodgers is going to run out of steam well before he gets to 44, 45, 46. Right. And I think with each year, you feel that magnitude. It's bigger each year. Because I only have so many more swings left i only have so many more at bats left in this baseball game of my football life so you're you're even more freaked out you know it's bottom I, of the night i agree i agree there's two outs it's a full count base is loaded you're down three it's up to you and i just feel like that pressure is on I, him more and more each year i'm i'm with you mike and but the problem is with that you can't go into I'm going to be more conservative. And, you know, during the regular season, you can get away with, hey, most teams, the team we're playing, most teams we play, they're going to screw it up. So as long as we don't make a mistake, you know, the other team will screw it up. But if we just play clean football, we'll win the game. That's cool. That's not going to get it done, though, in the playoffs. And we're seeing that. You know, 2022 football is about and, – and, and even, the, you know, of course, the, anything here in recent past is – it's about go get it. The quarterback's got to go Go win the game. Go be Mahomes. Even Brady, who I would say at some time in his career was a little conservative like Rodgers a little to a degree. It's not going to be my fault. I'll play it smart, blah, blah, blah. We're a good team. You know, even him you know, and the Bucks, he goes down swinging now. Even if it's a game where, oh, I'm throwing interceptions against the Saints, he doesn't crawl in the shell and stop throwing the ball down the field. He still attacks and goes and gets it. And to me, that's the difference between Rodgers and the guy that we got in the top four, that there's no plays left on the, the field, in big, especially in big games. And then when there's nothing there, those four that are above Rodgers can really make a lot happen. Are they quite as good a decision makers as he is? No, but they're not as they're not far off enough to where they're going to fall off because they're better in other areas. And like I said, I think if you put those other four quarterbacks in that game against the 49ers, the game is not 10 to 3 sitting there, you know, in the fourth quarter. I, I think those guys make a few plays and the throws that I've showed there where you go, oh, they're up 17 to 3. They're up 20 to 3. The, the, the block punt now is not going to win the game for them. And to me, that's why he's number five. It's nitpicky here. These are the greatest quarterbacks in the game right now. And it is amazing to think that of the final four, two of them have only been in the league yeah. for two seasons. I know. But it just shows you how quickly a guy can establish himself in the National Football League. Let's take a break. When we return, Dak Prescott more than a year removed from his ankle injury. Will we see him run the ball more in 2022? We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Mike, in what ways has it been most beneficial to have a healthy starting quarterback throughout this offseason? It's been huge. I mean, it's been huge for him. Uh, it's been huge for everybody. So uh, I think the, all, all the little things that we do, particularly the meetings, the walkthroughs and all that, that they're important, obviously. But um, just just for him to just to have no limits has, has been outstanding. And I think you clearly see it in the way he's moving this year. I mean, you look at his body. He's 
he's clearly uh, different than he was you know, last year. So uh, he, he's had a heck of an offseason. I think like anything, it's just, you know, this is year three in the offense. Uh, the, the opportunity to move more prob- you know, potentially than he did in the past uh, as far as what he's being asked to do. Uh, you know, you see, I, I think he's clearly, the thing that jumps out, to me is, is his uh, movement ability in the scramble drills and scramble situations, uh, you know, the way he activates the scramble drills. Uh, so just, you know, it's just he's got more reps at it. It's more, it's more natural to him. So it looks, it looks really good. Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy on quarterback Dak Prescott. And look, he had a serious injury week five of the 2020 season. And last year, remember, in training camp, he had the issue with the – Muscle pool in the lat right. area, right. deep down in his back, because he's compensating. Definitely, he wasn't completely recovered. You compensate, you injure yourself with your your throwing arm and the muscles deep down beneath it. And now this year, he's good to go. That it is exciting. I don't know that I like the idea of green light, run, 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 because that's how he got himself injured. But it's part of the risk of playing football. You have to accept that risk. If you're going to play quarterback, you just have to be smart about when you get out of bounds, when you slide, when you avoid that contact. You can't fight for that extra yard or two. You're not a running back fighting for an extra yard or two. You have to know when to yield. We we talked about that earlier this week when we talked about his placement on your list i can't yeah. remember where he was was he, he was, nine he was, he, nine, he was right, nine right nine yeah you know the, the up 36 to three and running shoulder down into the end zone to score a touchdown no 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 you got you got to be more judicious about that because any one of those collisions can be the one that gets you injured yeah a hundred percent now i mean you're right i think we're going to see more mobility from him either way because it, and then he hurt the calf muscle right against the patriots in overtime so that that i think led to him being a little bit more of a statue in the pocket you know, he's a great pocket passer, but, you know, his ability to keep the ball and design quarterback runs or scramble, it's real. And it was it was pretty damn impressive, you know, before he hurt his ankle, for sure. He lost that aspect of his game last year, and it was not the same. You see here, it's still good, but it's not quite the same speed. And, again, I think the thing I'll come back to is, hey, the Cowboys, yeah, they're going to move him this year. They're paying the damn guy $45 million a year. They're going to get their money's worth out of this guy. And they are. I just feel like that's the way they're going to go. And I come back to a thing that happened, I think it was two years ago, Mike. Remember when the Cowboys lost to, I believe it was Seattle in Seattle, and Jerry Jones kind of made some comments about, you know, the way Russell Wilson moves around to dub some things, and we got to get a quarterback that do do some of that stuff too. Well, he's this is Mike McCarthy who came from Aaron Rodgers who's really good at that. I think that's probably a part of the his game they want him to be a little bit better at. Scramble, buy time, make some more plays, a la, you know, Allen Mahomes Rodgers style of football, you know, if we're gonna pay you forty five million dollars a year. And I bet you that's where they're pushing him a little bit here. Yeah, not just run the ball, but yeah, use your legs extend. to buy time exactly. until somebody Gets open. Right. Dak Prescott yesterday also spoke about the fact that he will be more mobile this year now that he's more than a year removed from that broken ankle. Here he is. Mike made a point to talk about the difference between this year and last year. Uh, you were able to run more and do more and build more comfortable. You seem like you're leaner and, and more mobile with the scramble drills. Do you feel that way? 
No, I, I definitely do. I mean, uh, I go in each off season. I'm trying trying to be a better player and person than I was the the year before. And so I, at this stage, at this point, I definitely feel like I've accomplished that. Uh, I think I'm far. Um, so so much further along than I was last year at this time. I mean, just being able to get the team reps, as you said, being able to move more, um, take care of my whole body, and just focus on everything and not just my leg. Uh, it's a huge difference. My confidence is through the roof. I mean, uh, I feel good on the move or not. So, I mean, uh, to say that on the move is my best, I mean, I feel like I can make every throw from on the move, yes. Strange to see reporters face-to-face with players after good. two years of COVID. Isn't it odd? just it weird it is it's great though it is it's good to see it back that way I mean I do I love seeing the player interviews and being able to see the interaction and being able to read them a little bit as they answer these questions with people right in front of them uh that's something I've missed over the last few years well Dak Prescott definitely confident about his abilities this year and it is year three in the Mike McCarthy offense and even though they don't have Mari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb has to step up they've got some weapons the offensive line is going to be so important definitely to this, you know, to the extent that he has to be running around. If your offensive line is doing its job well, you don't have to run around. You can stay in the pocket and wait for that guy to come open. And uh, and and you avoid maybe having to scramble and run the ball and maybe get injured. The more time you can spend in the pocket diagnosing who's open, where you can throw the ball, how you can move the ball down the field, that's the best way to avoid the type of injury that Definitely. we saw a couple of years ago. Definitely. Though, you know, I think the, you you could argue that they've they've had they've had to rely on Dak Prescott too much. I mean, to your point with the O-line's good, it's not great. They don't run the ball all that well. And, I mean, every game we go into, we go, well, here comes the Cowboys, you know, passing show. They've made it about him and his ability to dice you up with his right arm in the pocket. That's what they've done. But I think at times that, yeah, there needs to be a little bit more help to take a little pressure off of. It just seems like... You know, again, more times than not, we just go, well, Dak's got to throw for 400 today and maybe three or four touchdowns to make it happen. I know they had the defensive turnovers and things like that this year that that helped them when the Cowboys offense kind of went through some slow spots there. But, you know, again, everybody's going to be a little more used to Dan Quinn's defense in that division this year. So that's going to be different. And I don't think their defense has got as much talent on it this year with some of the guys they lost there, especially Randy Gregory in that loss. So um, I'm going to be interested to see where it goes with the Cowboys this year, but I expect Dak Prescott to be damn good. Yeah, uh, again, health permitting. And the key is learn the lessons from the past incidents and avoid those issues in the future. Let's go ahead and take a break. Next week, a big hearing happening before the U.S. House Oversight and Reform Committee Signs are pointing to Commissioner Roger Goodell showing up. Signs are also pointing to Daniel Snyder not being there at all. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Commissioner Roger Goodell likely will be testifying on June 22, just one week from today before the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform. Jared Bell of USA Today reported there have been some constructive talks between league officials and the committee. Look, the initial goal was to try to lobby the committee to not have a hearing at all. It's one thing to investigate. They investigate many things. Only a fairly small percentage of the investigations become full-blown hearings. But the hearing's happening. This is part of what Roger Goodell gets paid for, Chris. Running interference, being the pincushion, answering the tough questions. The only difference is it's not like a press conference where you can just filibuster your way through an answer and wait 
for the next question on a completely different topic from a completely different person so you don't have follow-up, you will get the pointed, sir, you did not answer my question from somebody who is trying to get to the bottom of whatever topics come up next Wednesday if Goodell shows up. Yeah, well, it it seems... That there's just too much <clears throat> light on this subject for the NFL to be able to like totally avoid it. So that, that's where it just feels like, yeah, he's, he's got to do it. This is not going anywhere. It's been a pretty big hot button topic, you know, for what at least a year, and it's got you know July one is when it all started. All right, so yeah, and then it's gotten reignited a little bit here recently, to where yeah, I don't think you can avoid this in the NFL. I, I don't, and I don't think you know. Of course the government resources and stuff aren't going to avoid it right now so yeah, we'll see where it goes I'll be interested to see if Daniel Snyder does talk but I think we're going to have to see or it seems like Roger Goodell is going to have to answer some tough questions and we might get to see behind the curtain a little bit in the NFL I'm not quite sure what the etiquette is for somebody who says thank you for asking me to show up but I right. won't appear without a subpoena because it should be fairly easy to issue a subpoena if they really want him the there. Subpoenas so, really matter. I don't, there there may be a, well, either. well, no, 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 I think I think I think some of the folks who defied subpoenas found out the hard way that there is there is justice that will eventually come get you if you give the middle finger to any type of validly issued subpoena. But uh, Goodell may be what they have to settle for for now, and maybe if they maybe there was just like a negotiation where we'll give you Goodell. Back off on Snyder, we'll give you Goodell, and then we'll revisit it afterward if they're happy with what they get from Goodell. And he, he's, it's going to be a long day for him. It really is. And it may not just be about Washington. It could be about Deshaun Watson. It could be about Stephen Ross. It could be about all sorts of things. There's no restrictions by the members of the committee. Once they have their five minutes, they're going to ask him whatever they want to ask him. And he hasn't testified to a House committee since 2009 when the Judiciary Committee had both Roger Goodell and Demora Smith, among others, there to testify about head trauma, about the NFL's failure to take it seriously. And you know what? That was the moment where the NFL took it seriously. That's the shot across the bow. That's where congressional power can be very, very useful. You always have the knee-jerk, well, don't they have better things to do? Well, yes, they have better things to do, and they do them. They're capable of doing multiple things. But when you're dealing with a major private industry like the National Football League, which is such an important part of our public life that 20 to 30 million people will tune in any given primetime game to watch, it's important to regulate it. So you make it clear, we think you have a problem, and you better fix it. Because if you don't, we will, and you won't like the solution. It worked with the brain injury issue, and it, it will probably work in some way, Chris, with this, it will force the NFL to do something it otherwise wouldn't have done as it relates to the Washington command. They can go <clears throat> anywhere with this, though. Like the, I, that's a, I didn't know that <clears throat> they can they can take this, you know, down different roads of the NFL. It doesn't just stay with, you know, the subject of Washington and, and what's going on with Daniel Snyder and all that. I think that the members of Congress who pose their allotted time of questions for Roger Goodell are only limited by the time. Yeah. They can right. ask whatever yeah, they, they want to ask. Of course and, they are. You're right. And the risk and the risk they're gonna look like idiots. I mean, you know, if you do go too far. Right. But, but we'll see. I'll watch some of these hearings from time to time and it's obvious the line of questioning is more about pandering to your base or raising funds, whatever your base is. Either side. Yeah. It's not about getting to the truth. It's about some broader effort to grandstand. But uh you, you just never know. You never know. 
And that's what Roger Goodell is walking into. And again, it's not going to be like a press conference where you just give a non-answer and you wait for the next question. He's going to have to find a way to give a non-answer that looks like a real answer. And they don't realize until it's over, this guy didn't say anything. He's got to be the Nick Saban press conference. The Nick Saban press conference seems like he's actually saying something. And he is when he's talking about NIL now. But the old Nick Saban press conference, it seems like he's saying something until you look at the transcripts. That guy didn't say a damn thing. That's what Roger Goodell needs to try to do next week to minimize the potential damage. Let's take a break. Derrick Henry, four-year, $50 million contract signed a couple of years ago. Could he be getting another contract soon? We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. There was a report that the Titans would be open to, to working on a new contract with you. Would you be excited about that? How would you feel about the idea of working on a new contract with the Titans? Um, I mean, it's always good to get a promotion at your job. When you think so, you get a promotion. That's always good. But, um, yeah, man, I'm just trying to work through that. I mean, I'm still, currently still on a contract. And if that's the, that what the future holds, then, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that'd be great. Derek Henry talking about the contract that he signed in the – 2020 offseason franchise tagged by the titans the franchise tag was replaced with a four-year 50 million dollar contract the reality is teams rarely give big money to running backs that came from another team your best bet is to stay with the team that you're on because there's equity there in the fan base they want you there there's a political aspect to it a business aspect to it they want that star player there so he stayed and when you look at it chris he's due to make 12 million this year and 12.5 next year Something's wrong with this picture when we consider you've got receivers, multiple receivers making $25 million or more per year. Derrick Henry, arguably one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous, total offensive weapons in the NFL right now, especially when he gets going downhill in a game and you know he just takes it over. He's unstoppable. He's worth more than $12 million. He is. He is. But is he worth more than $12 million at year seven of his career after missing, what, nine games last year? That's where the balance comes in. And, of course, then you have to play that, I think, you know, as you know, to the, the market of the running back altogether. And that's what hurts him. He's being underpaid. There's no doubt. No doubt. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm one to go. I'm a little surprised that we're even talking about this, really. The, the, the new contract? I mean, the, if I'm the Tennessee Titans, I'm, we're not talking about that right now. There's no way, you know. Sledgehammer running back? Coming off playing half the year, we're going to talk about contract extension. That, that to me would not make sense on the Titans' part there. And I and to your point, you know, even with Derrick Henry, I, I think you're right. Where hey, you play this out, and you go, you know, maybe you get to next year or something, and then maybe you know you you do get another contract, another two year bump from the Tennessee Titans. And I think that to your point. When you stay with that team, yeah, they're going to pay you more than anybody out in free agency. And, and I think that's where the value is of kind of staying at home there because you've built a name and you're such a big part of the uh, organization. The problem is, and we've talked about this, the difference between receivers and running backs. The running back position is conducive to injury. The Derrick Henry foot injury that happened after that big win over the Colts the day after, we're like, what are you talking about? He's got a foot injury. He's got a foot injury. He's out the rest of the regular season. Are you kidding me? It's the position. It's not the player. Christian McCaffrey gets the huge contract. He's played in 10 total games since then. It's not a knock on him. It's the position. If you're going to make that investment, you want to know that you're going to get the return on the investment. That's the challenge. So uh, I agree with you. 
I don't know why the Titans would entertain this, but the problem is the guy knows he's getting closer to the end and he's worth more when he's healthy. That's yeah. the key. When he's healthy, mm-hmm. he's worth well more than $12 million, but baked into the salary is the recognition that you may not be able to earn half of this or more than half of this because you may get injured by virtue of the position you play. If you're the running back, you're like, why does that matter? You either want me on the team or you don't. You either want what I can do when I'm healthy or you don't. We accept that I may get injured and you're going to have to have a good backup for me, but you still have me. It's a tough spot it is. for everybody. It is. And and the other side of it, too, is we don't know where the end's going to come. Right. And the last great Titans running back was Eddie George. What happened to him? Yeah. He didn't have any serious injury. He just got to a point where he couldn't no, do it anymore. Just, just the body says, apart. nope. Right. No, I, I agreed. And, you know, running back, that's not that, you know, dissimilar from, from Derrick Henry. Huge, giant human being who was a car crash running back. So that's where, yeah, you'd got to worry about that with Derrick Henry. Maybe, hey, maybe if, if he really is unhappy with the money, maybe they can find a way a la, like, the Patriots with Gronk. Or we saw, we've seen other teams do it. Where Good maybe, point. You know, add some incentives to go, wait, hey, if you play, if you stay healthy and you play, hey, here's, you know, and you're a top three, top five in the NFL, right? here's an extra three, four million dollars that way. To me, that would be a way that I think you could protect both sides and hopefully make everybody happy. Yesterday, we mentioned very briefly, Jonathan Jones of CBS reported that the Browns and the Panthers still talking about a Baker Mayfield deal. The salary remains the obstacle. How much of it the Browns will pay versus the Panthers? Apparently, back around draft time, when it almost happened, the Panthers wanted the Browns to pay 13 or $14 million. I don't know if you just cut it in half. I don't know what you do to make it work out. But it's still in play, and I can't help but wonder whether it's in play even more now that they've had a chance to take a closer look at Sam Darnold and right. Matt Corral, the two options they currently have in-house. I, I do let, you know, I, I know we, we, we said this yesterday, but it's, it is one of those where I look at it and go, man, the fact that it's, you know, become such a topic here it, to me, doesn't bode well for the fact that, yeah, Sam Darnold has been tearing it up at camp and giving them the confidence that, Oh, he turned the corner. We got our guy here. Uh, the, the, this to me says, Oh wait, they're not sure. And that they do think Baker Mayfield's a better option, and let's get him here. But like, what is it with the? What is it here? To me, it seems like Mike the Browns are just like all about the money. Period. It seems like that's that's all there is to it. And you know, I just, I, I, I again, I don't know. To me, it's just it's silly at this point to to nitpick over that. Well, I I hope that the Browns aren't trying to set up a scenario where Baker Mayfield forces his way to camp and he acts up and they cut him like the Ravens did with Earl Thomas a couple of years ago. Remember, cut him for reasons other than skill injury or cap, for personal conduct that was detrimental to the best interest of the team, whatever the magic language was that the Ravens utilized to try to avoid paying Thomas. Because there is a way, there is a a path for the Browns, but you just don't want that. You got enough crap right now. If you're the Browns, you don't want to set the stage for a T.O. type of a confrontation with Baker Mayfield. You don't need that. You got enough to deal with now if you're the Browns. There's a stubbornness here that's at play. They need to treat the $18.8 million as a sunk cost as part of the broader $230 million play for Deshaun Watson and just remove the Band-Aid and move on and get what you can. If you, if you, if you can avoid paying five, six, seven million million, do it. Because at some point, you're going to cut the guy anyway, and you're going to pay him 17.7, and somebody else is going to pay the difference.
Yeah. I, yes. I, that's that's. I, I just. I. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I mean, if I'm the Browns, I just would want to get this done with and get it off my books. I mean, that to me, and, and no matter what it is, just get rid of the distraction, the conversation, everything. There. That's what I would be be trying to get done or accomplished here. Uh, but we'll see. But I do. I mean, again, I look at that them. You know, and I, I keep wondering if Seattle will get in this conversation, but that doesn't seem to happen. So it seems like the Panthers are the in the leader house for Baker Mayfield. I think the key point, and this goes all the way back to the beginning of the show, the more this Deshaun Watson thing disintegrates before our very eyes, the more important it is for the Browns to get out of the Mayfield thing. You don't need this Mayfield thing hovering. I think they're also maybe – you know, maybe they pick up a million bucks if they can squeeze Baker Mayfield into taking a little less money to do this now because the alternative is they just keep him around. He still needs to land somewhere where he can play. Yeah. He can't just take the year off no, and get can't. paid and expect to go get a big contract. He needs to go somewhere and play. We need to take a break. We will. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. It's a common occurrence in the NFL. Somebody paying someone else money for the rights to a number. $50,000 Sauce Gardner is paying DJ Reed for number one with the New York Jets. You know, we talked about this not that long ago. We talked about the the Clinton Portis situation where he promised to pay $40,000, paid twenty, and then stiffed the guy out of the other twenty because he'd been cut and they went to court. It really is amazing, this whole mini-industry of getting the number that you want. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is. It's a thing every year in a locker room, though, with new free agent or draft picks. And more times than not, it is on the players to figure it out. The coaches, the organization are not going to get involved. They're not. Very rarely do you hear the, the team get involved and, and do that. And I, I think there's been one or two instances that I can't remember off the top of my head, but always fun. And, yeah, it's going to add to the, some locker room chatter and people get on Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, and they'll have some fun with it. But good for Sauce that he got his number. It, it really is amazing, though, that guys take that so seriously. Yeah. It's part of their identity, even though it's the thing that dehumanizes them. We're going to put a number on you. You're not known by your name. You're known by your number. But then they become so taken with that idea that that number is who they are. Yeah. No, it is. It, it becomes part of your identification. It, it is. I, I, you know, I know I was hurt when I went to Texas and I couldn't wear number two. I felt like a different player. I felt out of place. Hey, you know, no matter what me. number is on your jersey, you'll always be number two. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> man. I appreciate it. See you tomorrow. See you. Go ride your horses. <laughs> Bye. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.